kind of thinking, oh, you only need a bar. You can only get maximally strong with a barbell, which is true. You know, when it comes to, you know, if you're trying to get really strong at a deadlift and a back squat, you know, if those are your goals, that's, that's what it's going to take. But you can definitely use kettlebells to help you maximize your gains and, and everything else. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Eric Leha, better known online as the Primal Swolger. Eric is a master trainer for Onnit and specializes in kettlebell, body weight, and compound movements to build strength and conditioning. He's made big waves online for his primal soldier flows, which combine the above methodologies into metabolically taxing circuits he posts almost daily on his Instagram account. I've tried a number of Eric's flows before, and I'll be the first to admit, they're usually a lot harder than they look. I caught up with Eric to learn the method to his madness. We also covered a lot about Eric's own fitness journey, including lessons learned the hard way when it comes to bulking and cutting cycles. Fun fact, Eric underwent a 50-pound bulk and then significant cut in the year before we recorded this podcast. Also, I do want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listened to the Barbend podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Okay, today I'm talking to Primal Swolger, Eric Leha. He's one of, I think, the internet's coolest fitness personalities, a man perhaps best known for his kettlebell flows, but someone who's doing a lot of cool stuff in fitness uh, across the board. Eric, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Dave. Love your stuff. You're killing it. <laughs> the first question I got to ask, Primal Swolger, it's a name you're famous for. How did that come about? How'd you come up with that one? Man, uh, honestly, I came up with it when um, I became one of the first trainers at Onnit Gym in Austin, Texas. It was my first time kind of getting on social media. We had like a cool marketing team that was like, you guys need to promote yourselves and you guys need to use social media to help you know bring business. And I was like, man, I hate social media. I hate taking selfies. I hate posting on Facebook and Instagram. And so I was totally against the idea of, of starting a new channel so I was like, man, what's the dumbest thing I can think of? What's the silliest name that I can come up with? And at the time, we were selling primal gear, primal kettlebells, like uh, gorilla face kettlebells. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I'll, I'll stick in line with our, our brand, with primal. So that's how I, I, I came up with primal. And then I was like, oh, so I want to sound like militant and like like tough, like a soldier. And I was like, oh, that kind of sounds like, like swole. Like, you know, I want to get swole. And so that's how I came up with Primal Swolger, the silliest name I can think of. And the marketing team loved it. Or they actually made fun of me. They thought it was dumb. But that's how it was supposed to be. It was, stupid name. It was so silly. <laughs> it was so silly it worked, man. It, I, I mean, it's... Yeah, people dig it. So you, you post a lot of awesome workouts. So full disclosure, I, I use your workouts, especially when I'm on the road. We actually have a new video coming out. Um, as of this recording, we're kind of finalizing it for Barbend, where a lot of our editors try, try your workouts. But when you first started 
posting. They're so hard. Yeah, they're they're so hard. hard. They're they're deceptively hard. But what what kind of was the evolution of that posting style? You're very known for kind of having these carousel Instagram images where you post the different movements. You put together these flows people can do with a few kettlebells or even one kettlebell and their body weight. How did that kind of evolve? And and what are some of the things you tried to see what people really wanted from you workout wise? Honestly, it just kind of. I was on the big, you know, kettlebell train, you know, a few years ago, I guess, you know, it's still going strong. Um, but as we started selling kettlebells at on it, you know, we're a supplement company and we're, we started selling these kettlebells and I was actually working in the warehouse, packing kettlebells all day. And, you know, we were working like some long hours and before we got a company gym, you know, I was like, I don't have time to make it to the gym. I'm just going to grab a couple kettlebells here and just squeeze in a workout after work. So, you know, I got experience pretty quick with some basic kettlebell movements. And after they asked me to become one of the first coaches, I got certified in kettlebell training. So I got formally introduced to all the, the movements, like the swings, the snatches, and the jerks. And, you know, after a while, as uh, being a coach, uh, training people in like fundamental movements uh, with barbells and dumbbells, I got kind of bored of you know, doing the same thing over and over again in my own training that I was like, man, I kind of want to mix it up. And so same idea, you know, trying to squeeze in sessions in between clients. I was like, I can get a, a tough workout with a couple of kettlebells or just one. And I started mixing up the movements, borrowing from my, my, some of my martial arts training. I used to do jujitsu, Muay Thai, and I try to, you know, mix up some like multi-planar movements and just kind of, you know, like Turkish get-ups combining some presses and swings in between just to kind of get a full body, you know, calorie torching workout, uh, in a short amount of time. And so, you know, it was just, just having fun. And after I was posting them up, you know, people dug them. It was like, it was, it was, I guess it was kind of new to people, you know, complex, uh, movements, compound move or yeah, complex movements that, you know, people were able to put these different moves together. And so it became, something kind of flashy that people dug and they're still into it now, I guess. Um, but it's been fun, man. You know, uh, teaching people the foundation has been my priority these uh, last few years that the the train has kind of been picking up steam. People want to learn how to do all these fancy kettlebell flows. Um, but to get there, I like to make sure everybody has a strong foundation so that they don't hurt themselves. Especially when you're doing these under fatigue. I mean, you are... Oh, yeah. A lot of your movements and a lot of your flows involve movements in a lot of different planes of motion. They involve switching between movements. It can be mm -hmm. pretty... It can be pretty complex. What are... What kind of level do you need people to be at or how do you assess that they're at the right level to move to some of these more complex, multifaceted, multi-movement flows? Honestly, man, you know, it, it takes a really like advanced lifter or athlete to, you know, really be able to do all the, the fun and crazy stuff. So if, with a lot of my beginner clients, we hardly ever do anything as crazy or flashy you might see on, on some of my more, my most crazy videos. But, you know, I like to keep it pretty simple too, you know, uh, especially lately I've been trying to push out more content that's not too flashy super simple and effective routines that most people can do. And I think that's, that's why, you know, it's, uh, my page is kind of becoming more popular. It's just, you know, all these like not only is like, do I provide multiple videos that people can follow along with? Um, but they're also pretty simple movements that anybody can pick up. So, you know, there's kettlebell flows that even beginners can do, but if people want to do all the fancy stuff, 
I, I make sure that they're, they at least, they, you know, they take a certification or one of my workshops or one of my online courses to make sure that they're, they're getting the, the prerequisite knowledge to do some of these fancier flows. But um, when it comes to doing, you know, any of these movements, you know, there's, we can borrow from any beginner movements that anybody can, can touch up on and have a fun workout. So I was doing one of your flows. It was a, it was a kettlebell, single kettlebell and body weight flow that you posted recently with a friend. And they, they made the interesting observation. They said, wow, the real, like, I know all these movements exist, but the real value here is someone is pushing out content where they are getting creative for you. Cause it can take a lot of brain power to come up with a good workout and programming a workout for yourself. It's always difficult because you tend to program the things you're good at. You're not really attacking your weaknesses necessarily. What is your process for coming up with these workouts? Because it, it I, I know I, I'm, my guess is you're not just coming up with them kind of all off the cuff. There's a little bit more planning than I think a lot of people might think behind these, or at least that's my guess. Yeah. So when it comes to some days I like to do free flow and I'm just trying to like, if I'm doing like an active recovery day and there's no goal for the day, I'm just trying to get my body moving. That's when I'll do like a low intensity, lightweight kettlebell flow and mix it up completely. Uh, but when I'm doing like, if I'm focusing on legs, for example, or upper body day, I'm doing like push pull and the, like my main lift is a barbell back squat or a, like split squat or a deadlift, I'll make sure to like um, throw in some like secondary work sets in there or a finisher where I target the legs using the kettlebells just to kind of mix it up and, you know, get my accessory work using kettlebells with some flows and I'll, I'll program and design flows based on the, the move, the main movements that I hit that day just to kind of, go back and kind of get like a flush and really get a sick pump towards the end of the workout after, after the main lift. Interesting. You're treating, you're treating these flows kind of as your accessory movements uh, after your primaries. It's, I had never even yeah. thought about that. What does a normal week of training look like for, for you these days? These days I'm pretty happy where I'm at. So I like to kind of just focus on, you know, staying as strong and as mobile and as conditioned as I can and staying as balanced as I can in all, all the different energy systems. So I'll do a heavy day, whether it's like barbell, back squat, deadlift, or I like to do floor press. I don't do a lot of bench press just because I have a, like some shoulder problems. Um, I actually tore my pec last year, earlier in the year. So I've been kind of re reha rehabbing that and building it back up. So I do a lot of floor, floor press, heavy floor press, and overhead press. So those are my main uh, barbell lifts. And I'll do that two to three times a week. You know, like every other day, if I'm feeling strong, I'll do a barbell lift with uh, a circuit, some type of high intensity circuit or some uh, hypertrophy training with dumbbells and kettlebells uh, just to get my volume in and try to keep my size. And then I'll also, so for example, I'll do Monday. I'll do heavy deadlifts for about 30 minutes, taking, you know, plenty of time in between sets uh, so I can really, really hit it hard. And then I'll finish out the last half of the workout with some kettlebell circuit with some jump rope or some body weight movements like animal flow stuff and a kettlebell flow. And then on Tuesday, I'll lower the intensity and I'll do just kettlebells and body weight. Uh, depending on how I'm feeling, I like to sometimes double up on if I did legs, 
on Monday. I'll do legs with kettlebells on Tuesday just to kind of increase that training effect of the day before. Um, it's not a tactic I use all the time, but it's like something that I really like to do to really, really crush the legs. And, but it also helps me like actively recover because uh, I'm not going so hard the next day. And then Wednesday I'll take a day off, just do decompression, mobility, and then I'll, I'll just cycle through again on Thursday and just kind of go along that cycle. So heavy, heavy, high intensity day, moderate, and then really low intensity. That's pretty much the cycle that, that I'm on. Um, but I definitely like to balance out barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells, all types of training. Uh, I like to mix it up. One thing I've noticed is you've been releasing a lot more videos where you're do- performing a flow or one of your workouts, say, and posting on Instagram, and you have um, you know, a fitness influencer or friend or someone else in the community working out with you. And it's, it's surprising because, um, not maybe not surprising, but you know, I know if those folks are keeping up with you, they've got to be legit because your workouts are, are tough. Even as, you know, I've been doing functional fitness style training for years and like they're, they're really challenging and you can really, really push yourself depending on the time domains, number of rounds. Do you have to kind of warn people when you're deciding to film some content with them and give them a heads up for like, Hey, you're, I'm going to really put you through the ringer here. Um, or are you kind of more staging those to look like the full workouts, but really just demonstrate the movements? Yeah, we usually do like a full workout before, you know, and we show each other different ideas. It's it's never like an actual like workout workout. It's like where we're kind of, you know, trying things together and practicing different moves, teaching each other stuff because we usually come from very different backgrounds. And so I end up having to teach them how to do like a proper kettlebell clean and they teach me how to do a proper like body clean. Like, for example, if I'm working out with, with Jay Marinek, that guy JTM Fit on Instagram – He's like super explosive. And so while he'll spend 10 minutes teaching me how to do a badass Superman pushup, I'll teach him how to do a badass like kettlebell rotational snatch. And then we'll kind of team up and try to come up with some cool moves together and um, some dope routines that, that we like to do. And then we'll end up doing them for the prescribed rounds and then pick the best round out uh, to videotape. And we'll video most of it most of the rounds and then we'll pick out the best looking one to post up on Instagram. And the best looking one's got to be one where you're, you're both looking really sweaty and like you're in it. Cause that's, yeah. de- that's definitely your brand. You're, you're like, you're not going in completely dry. You got a nice sheen going on. Everyone looks like they've been putting in work. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. And uh, coconut oil helps. I moisturize using coconut oil. It's good <laughs> for the skin. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the more surprising misconceptions you've come across, be it online or be it in kind of in-person seminars or working with your clients when it comes to this style of training? Uh, a lot of people think that you can't, you know, get strong using kettlebells. Um, you can, they're just a weight with hand, with a handle on them. You can do whatever you want with them, you know, as long as you have, the, the programming tailored to what you're trying to do. So that's one misconception that a lot of people have been kind of thinking, Oh, you only need a bar. You can only get maximally strong with a barbell, which is true. You know, when it comes to, you know, if you're trying to get really strong at a deadlift and a back squat, you know, if those are your goals, that's, that's what it's going to take, but you can definitely use kettlebells to help you maximize your gains and, and everything else just because, you know, you'll be able to, add, you know, add load to different positions, uh, and, and different like 
different hand different grips and ready positions so you can strengthen the overall movement pattern from different angles so it'll help with your other lifts so that's one way i've been able to incorporate kettlebells into my training routines um, and i've been the strongest i've ever been when it comes to deadlifting and squatting uh, and bench pressing before i got hurt um, i was able to you know maximize and become the, uh, the most well-rounded i've ever been by not being afraid to use new unconventional tools, which is not to say, you know, that's another misconception. People think all I train with is kettlebells and steel maces and body weight, but uh, I like to mix it up because there's no one, one tool or method that's going to, you know, make you good at a lot of things. Like I like to run. I love running outside. I love uh, using kettlebells. I like to do kickboxing classes, jujitsu, I like to mix it up, you know, and that that's, helps me stay engaged and uh, in the best shape of my life just because, you know, I get bored if I do the same routines over and over again. So keeping my body engaged and switching it, continuously switching it up helps me keep getting better. I think those are good lessons for all of us. What is a kettlebell movement that you think is maybe overrated or alternatively used incorrectly by a lot of people who are doing kettlebell training? I think uh, one kettlebell movement I see a lot is the overhead kettlebell, the American kettlebell swing. You know which one I'm talking about? Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's what you'll see in a lot of, uh, a lot of cross as prescribed CrossFit workouts, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not a bad movement, you know, it's just with a lot of people's mobility um, it's just not a movement that I like to program for a lot of people just because, you know, a lot of us already have poor shoulder mobility and having somebody explosively throw a kettlebell overhead like that can be kind of dangerous, especially when both of your hands are attached to, to the kettlebell. Um, I like to use a snatch instead, you know, a single arm snatch to go overhead for me is a little bit safer for most people. And I'm able to also use the hinge the hinge movement a lot more effectively to get it overhead instead of in the American swing, you kind of see more of a squat pattern as people kind of sit their hips down to try to swing the kettlebell straight overhead. Um, I find, you know, that's not a bad movement. It's just, it, 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 it's not the best movement for a lot of people. And I see a lot of people doing it that shouldn't be doing it. If you could be known for popular, for maybe popularizing or making more popular one move that you think is underutilized, what would that be? I just want to keep preaching how awesome the kettlebell swing is. You know, the kettlebell swing is honestly the most traditional kettlebell movement you'll see. And it's also for me, the one that I use the most, you know, almost every workout I do, I'm doing some type of kettlebell swing variation. Cause you know, it lights up my posterior and, and, you know, all the way from my glutes up to my low back, middle back and lats gets everything nice and juicy in between sets before a warm up or as a finisher, uh, it just really jacks up my heart rate and it keeps me, keeps me pumped up. And it's really, it has a, it can have a really, really therapeutic effect on people's posterior, which a lot of people are pretty deficient and activating their posterior because, you know, we, we sit out, we sit around all day, we drive in cars, sitting in traffic, work at a desk job. And so being able to do a kettlebell swing can be a really powerful tool to help people become stronger and healthier. 
Now, when it comes to fitness, I like to remind people sometimes, and this is something that when folks have asked me, oh, like, who do you, what do you think makes a good coach? I, I am a firm believer that the best athlete is not always the best coach. It's not like a one-to-one equivalency. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but there is something to be said for, especially for people who are, who are just starting out or looking to maybe look fitter or improve aesthetics. You know, they, they look to people who have already accomplished that for advice. It's just kind of human nature, right? You want to emulate someone. You see they've done it. You see they've gotten that six-pack, those washboard abs. They can help you do it. And one thing that I know you've done in the past couple of years is you – did a pretty significant uh, body recomp in the past, uh, maybe call it year, and it's something you've been very open about on social media, right? Utilizing your workouts and your style of training to improve your own physique and to reach these physique goals that a lot of people probably have in mind. Talk a little bit about what it means to kind of walk the walk when it comes to proving that your methodologies can produce those aesthetic results. Yeah, man, I think it's definitely important to, to look the part and, you know, like you said, walk the walk just because, you know, and like you said, also, you know, it's really hard for some athletes, even though they're really good at something to be able to teach that to somebody else is a totally different ball game. And, you know, that's being able to be a coach that can do all of it is, is pretty awesome. And it's, it's, it's a challenging role just because, you know, I, even in, you know, I'm still a young coach and I'm still learning new things all the time. And, you know, it's all about reps and getting more clients, dealing with different bodies, teaching different workshops, taking different workshops with other coaches and just getting a different perspective, seeing different movers so that you can keep keep stepping your game up because you're always you're not always going to have the same client come in the gym and you're not going to be able to use the same cues. Not everybody's going to understand and listen to the same same tips that you got. Not everything's going to work for everybody. So it's constantly staying on your toes and Staying on uh, learning new things is what's helped me keep getting better and keep helping me step in my game up. And that's why I feel like I've been in the best shape I've ever been. And I've even, you know, been able to really test myself and, you know, try a crazy bulk that I did last last fall after Thanksgiving. I gained 50 pounds. I went from being 170 pounds. Uh, I was like 167. I was super lean. I was probably like 4% body fat. Uh, super shredded and I shot a ton of videos so I can advertise the programs that I was building up for those for those workouts that I was doing and I built up this huge vault of videos that I was going to use to promote while I bulked up because I never bulked up the way I did before uh, like I did last year I'd always been super shredded for the last like five years since I was like really into this this whole fitness thing and so I was like, man, like I want to get bigger. Like I remember I was, I had actually worked out with Jay and I was like, man, this guy is so swole. I want to look like him when I'm older, you know, I want to get bigger. And so that's why I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to take three, three to four months and try to get as big as I possibly can. And I also wanted to catch up to my older brother, Juan. He's <laughs> one of the other coaches that on it. He's, he usually walks around 215 pounds. And so I was like, man, I got to catch him. I'm trying to catch him. And so I ended up gaining 50 pounds in th- – I was about three months. Holy cow. What was your nutritional regimen to, to gain weight that quickly? Man, I was eating anything and everything. I was going to the Indian buffet down the street from the gym like at least every other day. Not only because I was trying to gain weight because it was delicious. I grew up a fat kid. I grew up a chubby fat kid. 
until I was like 12 years old. I finally had enough, started working out, got, got in shape, did, did martial arts, whatever. Rest is history. But before then, I was fat ass. I like to eat nacho cheese chalupas from Taco Bell, curly fries from Jack in the Box. I was, uh, I still love food, you know. I look like, even nowadays. I look at I look at food and I gain weight, and so that's why you know I have to stay stay on my fitness, stay stay in shape, work out all the time. But for me, it was, it was pretty easy to gain weight because I like to eat and I put on weight pretty easily when I when I try and I lift, you know, and really increase the rep ranges get extra sleep. I got a ton of extra sleep. I was trying to take as many naps as I could throughout the days as well. And I gained 50 pounds from no like Thanksgiving. So the end of November to, uh, I stopped bulking February 1st, I think it was. And I finally started cutting down, but I gained 50 pounds. I got up to 220 pounds and not a lot, not all of it was muscle. I definitely got fat. What was that like? I mean, if you've never been that heavy before, if, you, if you've, as an adult, hard, been pretty lean. It was really hard. I remember the last trip that we went on before I started cutting down, I was at my heaviest. I was like two, 217 pounds. We flew from Austin to Colorado to go teach a workshop. And the elevation change and the traveling, oh, my feet were hurting. I could like barely breathe. You know, that might have something to do with the elevation, but my feet hurt. My joints were just in pain. And honestly, that I think that's why I also I tore my pec because I got really strong really fast, you know, and I ended up trying too much weight and kind of just overdid it on the amount of volume I was doing that day. I was I did like – I was like on my 10th set of uh, I think three reps at 275 for me on bench press. And for me, that was a lot because I would never even done 275 pounds on bench press before. And that day I was just feeling, I was like, oh, I'm feeling strong. I'm, I'm 210 pounds right now. I can do this. This is in January. I was like, I can do it. And I was doing it and I ended up tearing my pec. I think, you know, my, my tendons just weren't, hadn't caught up to the, the amount of weight that I had gained and that I was trying to push. Well, you had just increased your body weight by like 30%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, my, my tendons hadn't caught up yet, but my muscles were feeling strong. Um, so I definitely wouldn't recommend doing what I did. I did it too fast. I didn't take my time to really, you know, build up slowly and let everything, my body kind of catch up. And how long did that cut take after, after you reach your heaviest? I got to a pretty good level uh, around June, May or June. I think it was, I forgot when it was. So it's like a three and a half, four month cut. Yeah, dude, it was a long time. It felt like the longest I've ever done just because I've usually been able to cut like, you know, 10 to 15 pounds in like two to four weeks, like, like nothing, like super easy, but cutting, you know, 30, 30 to 40 pounds is a whole different ball game. It was, it wasn't worth it. I'm, I don't think I'll ever do that kind of bulk ever again. I'll try to take my time next time and just do like a clean bulk and just increase the calories uh, little by little. Where are you sitting right now as far as body weight? Right now I'm at 190 to 195. Oh, so you did keep you did keep a good bit of weight on yeah, after that I did cut. A, a good amount of it. Um but at my leanest I can get down to I like to be around 185. The holidays kind of took their toll on me. Well, you're not the only one who's experienced that. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, so the last so these next couple of weeks I'm going to try to get back down and weight you try to be as stretched as I can. 
shoot some more cool videos. My, I got a couple of programs that I want to shoot coming up. I'm actually going to be releasing a kettlebell flows program. So I'm actually doing that right now to try to cut weight and then I'll, I'll, I'm putting it together. Who in the fitness space would have you not collaborated with who you'd most like to collaborate with, be it on workout videos or just shooting some cool content? Uh, you know, what I really like uh, that guy, Paul Sklar, Schlar. I don't know how to say his name. He's an older gentleman. He's uh, always on a lot. They post him up a lot on men's health. He's super jacked. I think he's like oh, probably over 40 years old. And he's like a super jacked guy. And uh, I've, I've contacted him before, uh, but our schedules had just have it lined up. But I look forward to collaborating with him. And there's this other, there's this younger guy. His name's Fraser. Fraser. That's how you say Fraser Wilson. He's one of the Gymshark guys. He's super cool. I love his content. Uh, I've been in contact with him, so I'm looking forward to collaborating with him as well. You're someone who definitely is big on expanding your own knowledge pool. I mean, that's clear from your career in fitness. You're always learning, always trying to add another weapon to your arsenal, so to speak. Where are some places that you go at this point in your career to expand your knowledge, to learn more, and to, to kind of broaden your horizons? I still learn a lot from the workshops that I teach myself. Like I teach kettlebell certifications for on it and my own kettlebell workshops. And so, you know, I know the curriculum obviously cause I'm teaching it, but when you meet all these new people, they're, they're coaches in their own, their own right. They have their own experience to have, most of them have more experience than I do. So anytime they come in to take our, our certifications, they teach me all about what they do as well. So that's a, a great learning tool for me, a learning experience for me. Every time I teach a certification, I always learn something new about how people move and, you know, working with different clients. But also, you know, there's all kinds of systems out there that I want to try, that I want to go get certified as well. You know, there's always somebody else doing something different and they have their own perspective on, on these different, you know, movements. And so um, one that I really like, it's, uh, I think it's, it's pronounced Suplays. You ever heard of them? They have the uh, they they're the ones that hand make the uh, Bulgarian bags. It's Suplays. Uh, it was developed, I think, by this guy. He's uh, he was a former wrestler or like a wrestling coach, maybe in Russia. Um, but there, I don't know if you see me play around with these these bands. They're called Suplays bands, where I'm like doing all these weird, almost like fighter like uh, motions. Have you seen those videos that I posted up? I, I can't recall one off the top of my head, which is a little embarrassing because I, I follow your stuff pretty pretty closely. <laughs> it's, it's only been a couple of times that I posted them up, but they're, I think they're they're having some workshops. I'm going to have to check, um, but I know they're doing some new ones this year, and uh, I definitely want to go get certified in how to use those Suplex bands. They're just they're really fun. Uh, I've been incorporating them into my kettlebell routines. Like I'll do uh, a kettlebell flow, and then I'll jump on the bands and do these really – therapeutic uh rotational work with the bands that's super fun and just the way the bands are made they're like super elastic and they have enough resistance to where it's challenging but it has enough uh give on it to where you can kind of turn your body and do all these different you know really functional uh movements that carry over really well to the kettlebells that i like to do as well one thing I did want to touch on before we finish recording, and this is this is something I didn't know about you until very recently. Not only are you creative when it comes to designing workouts, um, you're pretty creative when it comes to uh, drawing and, and quite the talented visual artist. Um, is that something that we're going to see more of a crossover between you, the artist, and you, the the coach or athlete? Oh, hell yeah, man. I'm going to – I'm 
trying to make that, you know, a, a thing this year to really try to focus back on drawing again and creating art just because it's so fun. And, you know, it takes a lot of the stress away from, from like day, my daily stuff, you know, it's challenging in its own right, you know, creating a piece of art, drawing and trying to make it look dope and, you know, make it to where it's like, it satisfies. Cause I'm like a perfectionist too. Sometimes when I'm drawing, I want to make, I want to make these things look how they do in my mind, but sometimes you mess it up and it turns into something that you weren't expecting. And sometimes that's a good thing. And most of the time it's a good thing. Cause you know, it, it, it kind of takes you for a ride instead of trying to like be super controlling and create, put your, your mind on paper, exactly how you envisioned it. You kind of, you kind of just kind of roll with the punches and create something that you weren't expecting. And that's always a cool little, little treat at the end with that, you know, it kind of, see something you weren't expecting and it kind of brings out, you know, it makes me, it makes me a happier person, you know, drawing these things and problem solving. It has a huge carryover into my everyday life. And I've been seeing, seeing the positive effects it's been having on my, my, my work and my relationships. It helps me stay in a positive, positive headspace. Keeps me out of trouble too. You know, I like to go out. I like to party with my friends and, um, starting to realize that I need to do less and less of that and more, more of just, you know, soul searching and kind of go back to what, what really makes me happy. You know, don't get me wrong. Hanging out with my friends makes me happy, but, uh, creating things also makes me happy. You know, I gotta, gotta, gotta balance it out and it's fun, man. I, I like reading comic books. I like playing video games, I like going to the movies, uh, just kind of, like doing all the things that kind of influence my creativity so that I can not just make cool workouts, but also uh, be mentally stimulated to do other things as well. Balance body, balance mind. Well, I mean, we've touched yeah. on it. We've touched on it a little bit, but Eric, where are the best places for people to, and you know, we'll have this in the show notes, obviously on bar bend, but where are the best places for people to keep up to date with the work you're doing, courses you're teaching, things like that? You can go to my website is ericleha.com. Um, you can find that link in my Instagram bio. It's at primal.swolger. So if you're not already following me, check out my profile. You might find some cool workout ideas or some new, uh, some cool art. <laughs> I'm getting back into that. So check me out. It's ericleha.com. Excellent, Eric. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. It's fun. <laughs>